0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDIC. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example.
1: With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out,
0: and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! welcome back to another edition of after the snap i am your host blake ferguson and i am joined by my co-host and brother reed ferguson we are your favorite long snappers or at least we hope so reed what's going on my brother
2: Man, I tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it. I tweeted out a picture a little bit ago. I'm getting my home office set up. I know Chris may have seen it. I know Drew is big into it. Blake, I know we talked about it. Obviously, our uh, mutual friend and co-host. I guess as a co-host, you could call him a co-host. Is Brett a co-host?
0: Recurring guest.
2: Recurring guest. Um, potential future co-host. Potential future co-host. Brett and I are business partners now. We, you know he's he's doing, uh, taking over some of the design side of this whole grills mafia thing that we're doing. So we're trying to you know get in the home office set up. Got all my, got my printer set up. Got my whole you know got everything. We're we're Look all ready you. to go. We're about to release some designs. So that's kind of what I've been up to, amongst other things. Uh, grilling. Just set up the Traeger last week. Smoke some nice pork chops on there uh, for the fam down here. Phenomenal.
0: Are you allowed to call it grilling if you're using a smoker?
2: I actually have a pretty nice grill on the way. Okay. I would say, I mean, if you look at Traeger, their social name is Traeger Grills. Okay. So, so that- I would say, I would say, a smoker is a subset of a grill. So it's like a finger and a thumb.
0: Sure. Not all grills are smokers, but all smokers are grills. Yes. Okay. Bingo. Fair enough. Uh, so that's so, kind of what so I've been up said, to. Yep. So you said some some pork. Uh, pork was was the pork chops. The in. Yeah, pork chops. What else yeah. have we been doing on the on the grill? Uh,
2: nothing yet. Got a pork butt coming on Friday. Going to smoke that for probably most of the day, and think we're going to do. Like street, like homemade street tacos Friday night for dinner. So super looking forward to that.
0: Do you source um, your meats from different places locally, or are you just going to the HEB around the corner?
2: It's a various. Obviously, we just moved down here, so we're I'm kind of getting used to the area. Um, I would. I told Erica I would like to find a like a, a specialty. Butcher down here. I'm sure there's no shortage of them uh, with obviously the love affair with barbecue uh, that Texas has, but um, and I get in, in Houston in general. But we've invested in uh, the company Porter Road. So I've gotten some meats from them out of Nashville. They locally source their meat from Nashville, Kentucky. I mean, from Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, and I think um, a few more states around around Tennessee as well, but um, no, it's, it's, I usually try to buy uh, as local as possible. Very nice. So that's what I've well, been up to
0: before we jump into topic number one for tonight today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, I'm in Miami this week and I'm pretty excited about it. I am, I just finished up day two of What is the Dolphins Business Combine? What is the Dolphins Business Combine, you ask? What is the Dolphins Business Combine, I I ask? I'm so glad that you asked. This week, we they do this every single year in the offseason. For Dolphins players, we are meeting with some of the top experts and successful business people from around the country, around the world, We've had billionaires come. We had a billionaire come last year and and speak to us. This year, we had Brandon Marshall, who uh, I'm sure you remember. He does I am Athlete podcast. He's is that the um, one that he
2: does with uh, Ocho Cinco?
0: Yes. Yeah. And he does. He has the House of Athlete uh, training facility down down here in Florida. It's his brand is just. Exploding the the I am athlete thing is just incredible. He's um, he do, he does like these different merch drops. He did one for for it's I am woman, uh, just raising uh, money for different women's uh, charities and things like that. The the merchandise sold out in like four hours. He does all kinds of different cool philanthropy through the brand, and so this afternoon we. As part of the entire program this afternoon, we got to do a customized uh, business deep dive. And naturally, it sounds intriguing. Myself and a couple of other players on the team, we picked Funky Buddha Brewing Company. Of course. And Funky Buddha is. It reminds a me, local... we haven't done a
2: beer review in a long time. No.
0: And, and I. Can't remember if Funky Buddha was the first one that I ever reviewed on this pod, but if they weren't the first, they were definitely the second because I think one of the first
2: ones you did was, um, the guys, the guys you went to the Marlins game with
0: Funky Buddha is a staple in South Florida. They're, they're growing incredibly. They were bought out by, uh, the parent company that owns Corona and, They've expanded some of their operation to be able to distribute more. They're doing really, really well. And so I look forward spent, to
2: getting some Funky Buddha in my beer bag uh, next year when we play in Miami.
0: I have plenty of it for you. And so today we spent almost seven hours at the brewery. They were they went through every single minute little detail about their business and shared with us how they got started, the struggles that they've had, and, and from start to finish, how the business operates. And it was one of the coolest and most helpful business experiences that I've ever had. And I'm, I'm really pumped up about it. I've taken like eight pages of notes in my notebook over the last two days Tomorrow we are doing a what's called Fin Tank, similar concept to Shark Tank. We have coaches from various successful businesses around the country that have flown in to help us, and they are, you know, helping us do research. and, and Tomorrow we will have, I think, like four and a half hours to write a business plan for what we're going to pitch to the judges. And I'm, I'm pumped up about it. So uh, that's what I've been doing. I'm I'm headed back to Atlanta on Friday and I'm, I'm pretty pumped up about uh, just the rest of my time here. I didn't really know what to expect. We did it virtually last year and it has blown everything, every expectation out of the water that I've had.
2: So have you, have, are you, are you done with, um, with Brandon Marshall? Is he I believe was he just some just like, like a players, speaker
0: he he spoke he was the first speaker that we had this morning he spoke for about 45 minutes and I believe some of the players did a deep dive at house of athlete players that want to open up their own training facility gym gotcha. type thing someday i chose to do the funky buddha brewing company as you and I have obviously, you know, talked about interest in maybe doing a, a brewery someday or a distillery or some sort of some sort of idea like that. But uh, it, it's been it's been phenomenal.
2: I'd love to pick his brain, or uh, if you, I guess, uh, you're kind of done with. I guess he, he he's probably done with the seminar. But um, I know how big that podcast is, the I am athlete uh, deal that those guys do. Um, I'd love to pick their brain on on kind of how they. How they've grown it since they've started,
0: mm-hmm. but he said he flies to New York every single week to go and do it in the studio with Ocho Cinco and the rest of the guys. So it's that's incredible. It's a pretty, it's a pretty big production. It's a, I yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's all it's four what hosts, four or five guys
2: in person every episode.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like is, a it's kind of like a lounge type yeah. atmosphere, and yep. they do a really good job with it. So if you're listening to this pod and you want another sports pod to listen to after ours, go check them out. They're pretty great.
2: So the offseason is in full swing and you know what that means. It's draft season. So a couple of the upcoming dates uh, and events coming up, March 1st through 7th, obviously right now is going on is the NFL combine Blake. You participated in that. Um, we'll get your thoughts on that uh, in a little bit. March 8th, uh, the deadline to designate franchise tags for guys the 14th through the 16th is when free agency uh, negotiations can begin, and then March 16th, the new year, uh, new league year begins. Trades can be made official, and also that's when free agency um, starts. Obviously, uh, you know one of the things I think every NFL fan looks forward to every year is kind of that that, like you noted on here, the 14th through the 16th, kind of that tampering period, I guess you would call it, where a majority. That's when, rumors,
0: a, that's when rumors start happening. Exactly. Like,
2: a large yeah, majority of the deals and the free agency, the free agency deals happen basically in those two to three days before the. And then right when the deadline hits, you know they're all announced. You know, as it? You know, they've been, uh, you know, been every been negotiated, everything but signed for you know forty eight hours. But hitting on some recent news related to the draft coming up. J.C. Treader, uh, center for the Cleveland Browns, also the president of the NFLPA, uh, recently said in an interview that he is quote not a fan of the NFL making the combine more into somewhat of a reality show than what than what J.C. thinks it's intended for. I guess uh, he was referring to kind of um, not having guys. It, it kind of one of the things he one of the things he hit on was there's too much pressure on guys to perform and the draft stock, you know, tanks or rises so much based on com you know, combine performances and stuff. Less, you know, even though a lot of these administration and the scouting departments are are putting a lot of emphasis on film, I, I would I would say what is the right thing to do. Right you know anybody can can train and look good in, in underwear
0: is he is he is he saying that because the NFL is making it a TV production, or is he saying that more in the sense of teams are drafting a player differently because he performed poorly or better at the combine? Is it is it more is he complaining more about the, the actual draft itself or is he complaining about the the production and the value of what the forty actually is? From what
2: I understood, it was a little bit of both. He was more talking about, uh, or, or you know, from from what I read, it was more talking about um, JC's point on the the draft being more of a more of a reality style TV show. Um, where you know it's late night television, all this stuff was kind of some of the points he hit on. but you know he's, he's saying that it makes it more he, they're making it more into a primetime TV show than it needs to be and not doing basically what's in the best interest of the players. I mean, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know if you I, I know I, I talked to you a little bit about it yesterday.
0: I think the production is more from the fan perspective. When I was in Indy, the camera didn't see Blake Ferguson, but for two, three minutes. And the same for Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow, you know, if he had run the the 40, right? Like the majority of the six days that I spent at the NFL combine was not in front of this TV production. And so I guess in that sense – I disagree with JC. I don't think that it's as big of a deal as he's making it out to be. I think it's good for the sport. The NFL owns every month of the year besides June. And even then, that's mini camp for teams. Like, the NFL owns every single month of the year. And March, combine. That's a one, one week. That's a quarter of the month is spent with – Adam Schefter being at the combine and, and covering everything and right. But, but a week before, a week
2: prior, a week after, you know, that's, it's, right. you know, but, it's, it's cover it's pre pre combine coverage, combine, post combine the, coverage.
0: The players at the combine are, are not worried about the production of it. Right. I'm worried about the fact that I've been in this hospital on my sixth MRI on my right knee that I've never had an injury on. I'm right. sitting there, I've I've done, I've already been doing medical testing for two days and I have to wake up in the morning and do a drug test and get my hand and my wingspan measured. There's so many other things that you're worried about as a, as a player at the combine, because the, the schedule is so rigorous. It is a mentally very, very, very taxing week. The last thing you're worried about is whether you're running the 40 at seven o'clock at night or 9 a.m. It it does not matter. I guess I will say in terms of the teams drafting based on combine performance, I think you I think you kind of take that with a grain of salt. I think that film should be the the biggest piece when you consider whether you're going to draft somebody. Are they showing up on tape in college? Are they are they playing with good technique? That's where you see. The best of the best rise above the rest, but I, I I do think that in in terms of seeing measurables and all of the quantifiable statistics, I think it's helpful. I think he, he, Byron Jones, for example, he's a teammate of mine. He's I think he still holds the the broad jump record at the NFL Combine of like.
2: Yeah, I saw that video
0: however many feet yeah. I don't know it's like 12 feet 12 or feet stupid. yeah it was insane and so I think that there are things like that that show how truly athletic these guys are and may tip the scale for two players who on film are very similar in that way I, I would agree with JC as far as the production thing I, I don't I don't think I agree with him
2: that's where I don't really understand what the like what what the angle is i mean that the president of the nflpa is how i am understanding it how can you not be in favor of more eyes on your league and the players that you do represent and or will represent right that's where it doesn't make a ton of sense to me kind of what what he's coming out and saying you know who who cares if it's a production value right Th- those those guys that are that show up to the draft that are invited to the first two rounds or whatever that get announced on stage they don't give a rip that it's at 8 p.m. at you know whatever time it is they can get drafted at, at, at 3 a.m. they c- they don't care i mean you were drafted you don't care i mean it, it, we waited all all day saturday right until you know you know pick whatever you pick, whatever you were, that's a long, I mean, it doesn't matter. They're making a production of value out of it because people are going to watch.
0: Mentally, I struggle with, you can't ask for the salary cap to increase. You can't ask for higher pay for athletes if you're not marketing and getting more people watching football because it's that's dire, there's hand a direct correlation between the two.
2: Right. And that was one yeah. thing I if wanted viewers to viewers
0: are not watching in March, if they're not watching in April when the draft is on, if they're not watching in May when we are going through rookie mini camp and all of the things, that doesn't equi- that doesn't equate to more money from the owners. So we're going to get into some contract negotiation stuff when we talk about the MLB here soon. So this is kind of a good lead in, but we'll We'll talk about that in a minute but I think that it's it's hard for me to say production is bad when that's what's paying our bills
2: exactly and one thing I just wanted to hit on and I I, I, I researched but this was one thing that you know I and I'm not a player rep a lot of guys think that I am but I'm not or like our player rep should be well I I've, and I and I've, you know you you know, uh, the 2020, the obviously the COVID stuff, um, when, when you were living with me and we were working out all the time, I was on a bunch of those P- NFL PA calls. You were on a bunch of them as well, listening, jotting down notes and trying to understand some of the negotiation stuff that was going on. But one of the interesting things that a lot of guys, uh, and I share with I share this with a lot of guys, is the uh, the fact that there is a media kicker in the CBA and a lot of guys most have no idea what I'm talking about. And it's and it goes back to this, you know, what you just talked about, building building the viewership of the league. Right? If you're not watching you get people watching in March, April, and May when stuff is going on, and June when minicamp's going on, and then that leads directly into six weeks later when training camp starts and then it's then the roller coaster begins, right? But just, I just wanted to hit on this media kicker because I, this is kind of the stuff that I I find so interesting. And I mean, we are a football pod, but we are a little bit of a business pod, so we got to hit on the numbers a little bit. The media kicker says there's basically a contingency on the percentage of uh, revenue increasing uh, for the league uh, and players, the shared revenue in favor of the players' side, basically with any 17 game season. So obviously, we just started that this past year. So any season uh, this past season or going forward, players may receive a, quote, media kicker or an additional share of overall revenue based on the growth in television contracts. If the NFL secures a 60% increase, the player's share of revenue will increase from 48 to 485 and that's all that's that's 48 to 48 and a half of all revenue right and that was a big fighting point because in in those negotiations you're never going to get to 50-50 with the owners obviously they're always going to have that majority control but the closer we can get to 50% right is a win for the player side of things. Right. So, you know, talking about these contingencies, there's, there, there are ways for increased television contracts, increased viewership to help out the players, which should incentivize the production value of the off season events. Right. Uh, the player's share can go as high as 48.8%. If the NFL grows TV revenue by 120%. Now that is a lot. I mean, it's obviously a ton, but when you really sit down and think about it, those small percentages that we're talking about are millions of dollars because guess what? The NFL makes billions every year. I mean, each team's kickout is, you know, a couple hundred million dollars that covers salary cap benefits, you know, the whole nine yards. Those small percentages that are potential increases, that's millions of dollars potentially back into into the players' pockets, which is Really, the goal of of the CBA is to negotiate as much money for the players' side as possible. Um, that's that's really why I don't understand JC's kind of point, and I, I hope I'm not you know misunderstanding him. But it just seems like the main point is you would want as many eyes as possible on the league at all times. Which I'm a player. You know, been a player for going on seven years now. I'm as just as much a fan as the next guy. I watch almost every primetime game. You know, I watch, I, you know, we play at one o'clock at home. I'm coming home and I'm flicking on the late afternoon games and then watching Sunday night football. Like, it's just, I love to watch the game. The production's great. Every network that carries it has great uh, broadcasters. So it's not, you know, it's, it's the NFL has figured it out. There's a reason that the top 100 shows on TV in the year of 2021, like 90 90 out of 100 of them were NFL games or things related to the NFL. Like it's not a mistake. And it's not even close. It's not close.
0: Well, shifting gears a little bit, but still talking contract negotiation sphere, world universe same things the mlb is now in day 91 finishing day 91 going into day 92 of their lockout with the players association it has been announced now that the first two regular season series of the mlb season have been canceled Ooh. last time we last time we spoke we were hoping for a march 5th report date at the earliest, but we are now seemingly no closer than we were before. I have seen videos of Rob Manfred practicing his golf swing in between meetings. He's been seen laughing off questions about how negotiations are going. He seemingly doesn't care. He doesn't care because his check is still going to clear. He's still going to get his money. I'm sure the owners are breathing down his neck a little bit, but they're not breathing down his neck like the players are. The players are flat out pissed off. Well, it got, I, I mean, it goes tweet. back
2: to what I said uh, was last week or two weeks ago, maybe. I mean, it's it it doesn't affect the owners to miss a couple months of baseball because if they yeah. get what they want in the playoffs which is where they which is where they realize most of the money is because everybody watches the playoffs you know most people won't watch season long baseball but everybody watches the playoffs usually especially the world series the, the money that they have that they lost in those couple months of not playing baseball on the It'll front end they'll make them. they'll make it up in the, over the course of the CBA which is why there's no there, there's no really rush from the owner's side in this whole deal, which is obviously the frustrating part.
0: Reed, you've been through one CBA now, as well as COVID lockout negotiation stress, and then the this past off season, the players holding out on the OTAs. There was a lot of talks about. Whether players were going to show up for those, what's your opinion, and and what kind of financial stress does this put the players under?
2: Yeah, it's it's um, it's definitely a very nuanced conversation um, because you have to be realistic with things, I think, and I realized that a couple of years ago when the when we were going through our deal with the NFL, but obviously from a fan's perspective on the MLB side. Now, I mean, it, it's, you can't go through everything and just think, Oh yeah, well, the, the players are obviously in the right, you know, they're obviously offering the best, you know, deal for everybody. And, you know, all the owners are obviously deal, you know, negotiating the best deal for everybody. It's, you know, sometimes the players might be on on the right side of things. Sometimes the owners might be on the right side of things. It's not something that you can just say, oh, well, the players, I'm a fan of the game. The owners are keeping us from, you know, the owners are not budging on any of the economic numbers that the players want. Well, the players are going to be, you know, right on everything. Like that's, I don't think that's a fair stance to take. You can be on the player's side, but still understand that, the owners are businessmen, also, right? So I think it. But but going back to, I guess, kind of like the the financial part of it, uh, which is really the toughest part and getting everybody on board, uh, is really, I mean, and and this is where this is where you know baseball, the MLB players really need to be commended. Um, they have really stuck together a lot. Of, a lot of the the media and the journalists have really been promoting how well the players are sticking together on this because they kind of see how, um, for lack of a better word, how they got screwed a couple years ago uh, with the 60-game season and a lot of the prorated contracts and all that kind of stuff. Um, And they they really don't want that to happen again. So it really comes down to, A, can you negotiate the main items in a prompt manner and then B. how tough are you how long can you stick together it's real life when you've got guys in 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 the major leagues that are fighting for jobs right guys that might have been arbitration guys or free agency guys last year that that had a had a good season had a decent season and now they're waiting free agency nobody's getting signed right now Right. And they're saying, okay, well, now I have to sign another, I'm going to have to sign another year deal or another prorated contract, obviously, because um, as you said, they've canceled the first uh, two regular season series already, first time in 27 years that they've done that. Those guys are, are fighting for financial freedom. Those guys are fighting to feed their families. They may have not made a lot of money now. I say a lot, you know, the MLB minimum is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But it's easier said than done across the board when you have the large majority of your players union is not in the news making four-year, $40 million contract signings, right? Like that's not, those guys are a handful per team, so that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's it that's kind of what it comes down to. You gotta you know figure out your strong stance and your negotiation room on a couple of the main high priority items, which for the MLB right now is a lot of the economic stuff for the arbitration payments and whatnot. And then for and then B, how long can you stick together, Chris? You got any thoughts?
1: Not really. This is just. Incredible that the the lockout that the MLB is going through and the amount of things that I've seen on Twitter of people canceling their MLB.tv subscriptions Done. and I think you can't you canceled we, yours. We yeah. <laughs> yep. I have ESPN plus so I know I would get some select games, but I mean I don't pay for MLB.tv, I mean, it's a whole other separate situation that, Reid, you and I have had uh, multiple conversations about is the – The blackout
2: restrictions. uh, The blackout restrictions, especially here.
1: Yeah, the the blackout (laughs) restrictions. At least here in Buffalo, we are blacked out on MLB.tv from Pittsburgh, Toronto, Cleveland, and the Mets and Yankees.
2: I think I saw a list one time. I think Buffalo, New York, in terms of like the Buffalo metro area – is actually the third worst place to live for a baseball fan because you're blacked out of five teams. There's like one or two other places like in the Midwest. Like like if you live in Iowa, you're blacked out of like eight teams, which <laughs> on any given night, right, in a, during a season when when all 30 teams are playing, you're blacked out from seeing more than half of the teams playing. Eight teams – that's eight games, sixteen opponents. I mean, you're you're missing. You can't watch half the league half the league play play baseball. Um, it's just insane. So the worst place to be a baseball fan, Iowa. This is a region. The region of Iowa. Uh, you are blacked out of uh, Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, St. Louis Cardinals. Kansas City Royals, Minnesota Twins, and the Milwaukee Brewers. Percentage of games blacked out 35% of the whole season.
0: That's insane. And
2: Blake, can you um, remind me how much uh, MLB TV costs for like a whole season? Is $120 roughly?
0: Yeah, like $120 probably going up year 130 after year. bucks maybe $120 I think, I think I'm still paying I think I'm still paying I probably shouldn't say this on record I I think I'm still paying the student discount from when I was at LSU 2 years ago so 78 bucks boy
2: Well there you go the 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 graph I'm looking at right now shows the fair price that that region should pay for MLB TV and if you're saying MLB TV is $120 a month for the for everybody if you live in Iowa the fair price based on the games that you get is seventy seven dollars.
0: That's unbelievable. The second
2: and worst place to live for baseball fans is Southern Nevada. Okay. Uh, you are blacked out of the San Diego Padres and uh, L.A. Angels, the Dodgers, the Oakland Athletics, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks.
0: I saw where Charlotte, North Carolina, is blacked out of Cincinnati. Atlanta, Baltimore, and Washington, D.C.
2: Yes. uh, Would that be the region of, and I quote, a little of Southern North Carolina? That is literally what it says on the graph. A little of Southern North Carolina. They are the fifth worst place to watch baseball, to be a baseball fan. Southwest New York, number three. 26% of games blacked out. I mean, I, I've been very vocal uh, about MLB blackouts on Twitter, but
1: like Cleveland in Ohio, I know it's a three-hour drive from Buffalo. We've made it. If you're in, if you have the Indians, the Cleveland Indians should not be able to claim two states, two states away, away being that's
2: exactly what I was going to say being
1: home mark. Yeah, so you should have a limit of the surrounding states. Surrounding whatever states state
2: is is you. something I can. Get behind, but very barely.
1: Yeah, because like Erie, Pennsylvania is like an hour from Cleveland, and then as far as like because ter- we get blacked out of Toronto here in Buffalo, that shouldn't even no. be a thing. It's a different, different country. country.
2: <laughs> different country, different taxes. I mean, you're not even yeah. Different dinero. No, thank you. Yeah. So let's anyway, like, I mean, what the the, the last thing here. I'm gonna say is. I retweeted it yesterday. Noah Syndergaard. I mean, and, and this Amazing. really goes. This, this and he's is. He's not the
0: only. He's not the only one.
2: Not the only one. Yeah. But basically, he said, if if you take away their paychecks, talking about the owners and Manfred, if you take away their paychecks instead of the players, how quick would a deal get done?
0: Marcus Stroman. I saw a tweet from Marcus Stroman this afternoon that said, Manfred gotta go. That's all he said. And then there's I mean there's countless. Michael Lorenzen is openly criticizing Manfred in the media. It's just the players are ticked off and and Rightly so. Like you said like you said earlier, it's one of those things where the owners are fighting for what they want, the players are fighting for for what they want, but there's no there's no light at the end of the tunnel right now. Reed, I think what we need to do is finish with one final thought, but make it positive, because none of that that we just talked about was positive. My one final thought that I want to end on this week is some positive news, some good news from Milwaukee and Dallas. There was a five-year-old boy who was traveling with his parents. His name is Ezekiel Burnett. And he was in the Milwaukee Mitchell International Airport. He was traveling back to Dallas. He throws his stuffed teddy bear up in the air just playing with it as a five-year-old would do, right? His teddy bear gets stuck in the rafters as they're about to board this flight to Dallas to go back home. They weren't going to have time to get somebody to get this teddy bear, his plush friend, as the article So directly quotes, they weren't going to have time to get the plush friend down from the rafters. So what do they do? They take off on the flight. Ezekiel is bawling, just so sad. They get to Dallas, they get home, and his mom, Jessica, is quoted with, with saying that Ezekiel asked her one night if Teddy was in heaven. Teddy was not in heaven because Teddy was actually making his way back to Ezekiel. It was confirmed that there was a traveler in the Milwaukee airport. I guess the, the traveler found the teddy bear. I guess it had fallen down from the rafters at some point, and he turned it in to the lost and found. They were able to track down the teddy bear's family. Ezekiel was not only gonna going to receive this teddy bear back, The airport made arrangements for Ezekiel to fly back to Milwaukee to pick up his little buddy. And if that's not the best thing that you've heard all week, I don't know what is. Ezekiel is quoted with telling the airport workers, I could tell you took good care of Teddy and that he's glad his friend was able to go a lot of places in the airport and have a good time. He's relieved that Teddy made his way back home where he's happy on his bed with all of Ezekiel's other bears.
2: Well, it's going to be hard to top that. Uh, So I saw a story. So I saw a story, our favorite Twitterer, Darren Daryl Ravel. Derek? Derek. Derek Ravel tweeted out. I will say,
0: sorry, I just – before you – I know this is – No, 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 go ahead. And I think I've done it two weeks in a row. Darren Rovell is the funniest person to laugh at on Twitter, like by far. He is like ironically any, any, laugh any, at him
2: though, but it's he, but it's hilarious. He thrives because, in it. He does thrive. That's exactly what I was gonna say.
0: That's how he's built his yes. built his network yep. and his.
2: So uh, I saw a a uh, a story that he posted, and just to go along with your feel good story, uh, and and I'll keep it uh, pretty short. But basically, there is a. Um, a guy named Eric Thompson from Warren, Ohio. He has a, a, a large baseball memorabilia collection. He basically sent uh, him and his son, uh, began collecting autographed baseball cards probably you know close to 30 years ago, and they would send out cards and return envelopes to a, a, a lot of players around the league. The, their favorite team, it says, is the Cleveland Indians, obviously, um, they're in that, that area of Ohio. Uh, so he, he basically said they would send a card to everybody that wore the uniform for the Indians, uh, now known as the Guardians. But they would also send it to a lot of the different All Stars and the big names from other teams across the league. Uh, but basically, he said, it, you know, if they didn't receive the card back uh, relatively quick. They just wouldn't receive it back at all because guys, you know, they'd either sign it when they got it and send it back or they would just throw it in the trash. So last, uh, you know, a couple months ago, Eric and Eric receives uh, something in the mail and it is a card from former Cleveland Indian Rich Yet. 25 years ago, they sent this card to Rich and he returned it a couple months ago to Eric's house, signed and in pristine condition. Tell me how that happens. Where was this card for two and a half decades? What has this card seen? Can you imagine? Maybe it's been flying around with Ezekiel's teddy bear. Got yeah, Right. Got to be. If they cross paths, that would be an incredible story. But can you imagine 25 years? I mean, this dude forgot completely forgot it reminds me of when I was younger mom helped me uh granddaddy or I think it was granddaddy got me a Sean Alexander jersey for Christmas uh Seattle Seahawks running back obviously for those who don't know and love to wear it you know it was awesome and uh but I sent a, a little postcard or something to him at the Seahawks facility mom helped me do it and he sent me back a signed picture a team picture which I always thought was pretty cool. So that was like the closest uh, thing I kind of had to call back on related to this story. But yeah, two two real good feel good stories there
0: uh, to end the pod this week. Nice job. Well, that is a wrap on this week's rendition of After the Snap. As always, you can catch us on social media at After the Snap Pod. You can follow us personally at Blake Ferguson fifty at reed Ferguson on instagram i'm blake ferguson44 on twitter reed i believe you are snapflow69 yes sir and all of the socials
2: at grills mafia plug
0: give it a follow plug in the brand give it a follow also we would love it if you would subscribe to the pod leave us a rating leave us a review that's how we grow this has been after the snap Tales from two brothers who live life upside down.